Good Monday morning, everybody. It is 8 o'clock on Monday, September 11th. Uh, my name is Mike Lyon. As always, this is the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. We're starting a brand new week. Uh, and we're going to have an abbreviated show this morning. That's what happens when you have a Monday show and the Patriots are not playing on the Sunday before that. So we won't have a real long show today. There's not that much news to get to anyway. Uh, we'll recap the Sox series this week, this past weekend. Uh, we'll see where they're going. Uh, maybe do a little Bruins by the end of the show. Uh, just very briefly get into that as, as they're in, in the midst of training camp and they've got their prospect camp going on as well. Uh, but there's not a whole ton to talk about today. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll have a bit of an abbreviated show, which is probably a relief after last, year's, last week's Patriots marathons. But uh, before we begin, to start off on a, a somewhat serious note, uh, today as virtually every American who was alive at the time will remember. Today is the 16th anniversary uh, of the September 11th attacks. Uh, again, if this, this was the uh, really the quintessential event of my generation. This was our JFK. It was our Pearl Harbor uh, of my generation. If you're like me, you remember exactly where you were uh, when you heard or when you saw for the first time that the planes had hit the Twin Towers in New York. Um, you remember exactly what you were doing, the exact conversations that you were having. Uh, me personally, I, I remember it extremely well. I was four days short of my 17th birthday. Um, I was in high school on my way to uh, health class, I believe, uh, when a friend of mine stopped and said two planes had gone into the Twin Towers. And I didn't really believe him at the time until I got to the next class. Uh, and an announcement came over the intercom saying <coughs> that uh, a an attack had happened in New York, uh, and obviously no one could really believe what, what had gone on, and uh, we watched the news pretty much for the rest of that day, so uh, that's just my personal remembrance. Uh, you know, we Boston sports fans love to hate the Yankees, we love to have a big rivalry with, with all things New York, uh, but on a day like this, it's, it's, I think it's important to sit back and remember those whose lives were taken that day, remember all the first responders who jumped into action uh, right after it happened, uh, and uh, their heroism can never be forgotten. Um, so if you get the chance today, especially this morning, uh, on the actual anniversary of, of the, uh, uh, the the hour of the anniversary when the, the, the planes went into the towers, take a second and just remember where you were, say a prayer, or just silently remember whatever you want to do. Uh, all the victims and all the families whose lives were lost that day uh, and think about how we've grown as a country and grown as a people together uh, and, and ways we can improve a little bit more. So that's just my little shout out uh, on, on this day, on September 11th, a day with, with a ton of meaning to a lot of people. Uh, and uh, we'll never forget this day. And on the 16th anniversary, it still is as clear in my mind as, as anything. The other kind of serious note, I, I want to take a quick second and, and send our love and our prayers and our thoughts uh, to everyone who has been in the path of, of destruction, essentially, over the past couple of weeks, uh, past couple of weeks with Hurricane Harvey in Houston, Texas, and the surrounding areas, and Hurricane Irma that's uh, made landfall in Florida, obviously had made previous landfall in Puerto Rico and some of the other Caribbean islands and caused widespread destruction down there. Um, I'm taking a second and remembering all of you uh, hope ever, hope you're weathering through this storm pretty well. Uh, it's particularly poignant for me, Hurricane Irma. I was just in Naples, Florida uh, with my wife on a, on a pretty kind of impromptu trip. 
we went down there and spent a really nice four or five days. Had a lot of fun with the people there. Really enjoyed the city, really enjoyed the area. Uh, so to see it get ravaged by a storm like this uh, is is personally uh, emotional for me uh, and, and for our family. So we're, we're sending the best down to everybody in Florida. I'm sure you know, you know, if you're listening, you know people who are in Florida who are affected by this. So uh, we send our best. I know that the po- the news, initial news was was positive out of Naples that they they kind of escaped the worst fears, but there's still going to be a lot of, of cleanup and and restoring lives and, and businesses down there. So if you get the chance, donate, uh, send anything you can or do anything you can uh, to help out both Texas and Florida and any other uh, areas ravaged by storms. We're sending all our best to you. We hope for the best. We love you. And uh, all our best for a speedy recovery. So with that introduction, uh, let's get into the topics of the day. And we will start with uh, the only team that was in action over the weekend. We'll start with the Red Sox. Uh, I said before the weekend that this weekend series with Tampa Bay was a big one, that they had to get the series win. Uh, They do get the series win. They win big on Friday night behind Drew Pomeranz, 9-3. Got out to a big lead, never really was in doubt. Saturday was even more of a laugher, 9-0 behind Chris Sale. It was important for Sale to pitch the way he did uh, after getting beat up by the Yankees. He comes back, he pitches extremely well, six shutout innings. Doesn't go real deep into the game, but he was up 9-0 at that point anyway. uh, So there was no reason to leave him out there. Uh, Unfortunately, and I say unfortunately uh, for a reason I'll explain in a second, they dropped the finale of the series 4-1 to yesterday. Uh, Rick Porcello takes the loss. He's not overly terrible in the loss, uh, but the offense can't back him up. They only score a run, uh, and they lose it 4-1. to And it's a tough loss because the Yankees won big yesterday against Texas. Uh, they took two out of three over the weekend as well, so we're essentially right back in the position that we started uh, at the beginning of the week. The Red Sox have a three-and-a-half game lead in the division, the magic number is now 17 after what happened this weekend. Uh, two wins and a Yankees loss brings it down to 17. Uh, there is more distance now between the Red Sox and the teams following the Yankees, uh, most notably the Baltimore Orioles now. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are still there, but they're a little ways back. Um, so what do you say about it? You say that the top two held serve, and that's good to see. Both Pomeranz and, and Sale get back to form. So the top two of your rotation is still solid. You're still okay if Chris Sale and Drew Pomeranz are pitching games one and two of any playoff series. And, of course, I know they got to get there first. This, this is not guaranteed by any stretch of the imagination that they're going to win this division. They're the favorite to win the division right now, uh, but they got to get there first. So assuming that they win the division, that they close this magic number and they get the division done, uh, and they, they get into an ALDS series, a divisional series, you feel pretty good about Sale, and you feel pretty good about Pomerantz going 1-2. Again, if anybody thinks that number three is anyone other than Doug Fister, or should be anyone other than Doug Fister, tell them to give me a call, because I think they're nuts. I don't understand how you cannot give the ball to Doug Fister, particularly if Game 3, as many anticipate, and, what the, and as the records would, would suggest at this point, particularly... If Game Three is going to be in Fenway Park, where Doug Fister has been really, really good lately, uh, and he showed it again last week, he pitched another good game last week and getting a win. 
he's your third best starter right now. And, and guys, it's quite frankly not even close. Eduardo Rodriguez has another start tomorrow night when they open a three-game set against Oakland. Uh, if he pitches extremely well down the stretch uh, and Fister falters a little bit, he could make a case for your number three guy. But right now, it's Fister, and then it's everybody else. Again, I, I go back to the to the Globe article. I think Chad Finn wrote it. If it's not Chad Finn, I apologize. I, I thought it was him. It may not be him. That suggested Fister was your fourth starter. He's your third. I don't understand how you can give the ball to Rick Porcello right now in a game three. I just don't understand it. I like Rick Porcello. I was really happy he won the Cy Young last year. He's a good guy. He's a stand-up guy. He takes responsibility when things don't go great. But... I don't understand how you give him the ball in front of Doug Fister or Eduardo Rodriguez right now. He, he's very clearly your fifth starter in a rotation of five people. Uh, you just you cannot trust him to get a win in a short series. I trust Fister the way he's been throwing the ball over the last month plus. I trust Fister way more than I trust Porcello or I trust Rodriguez right now. And I'd actually say the way Fister's been pitching you got a pretty good top three of your rotation if Fister can keep this up. Sale, Pomeranz, Fister, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All of these guys have been going deep into games. I'm not suggesting it's the best rotation in the league. I mean, I wouldn't want to play Cleveland right now, but we'll get into that in a second too. But that's not a bad top three. If you get these guys pitching the way they've been pitching, that's not a bad top three uh, to go into the playoffs with. So, again... Yesterday only reconfirms it. Fister's your third starter. Rodriguez may be your fourth. I don't see how you give the ball to Porcello in the playoffs. Now the bats started hitting this weekend too. Uh, they, you know, they, they had a pitcher. They, they faced the pitcher Friday and Chris Archer, uh, who they've done well against. I mean, Archer has never pitched well against the Red Sox, uh, and they get him again. Uh, they they light up. They, they they get nine runs on Friday. They light up the scoreboard against Saturday. Then they get silenced on Sunday. You're not going to kill them for one-off game in a long season. Uh, hopefully, though, they get a, I mean, they get a rest day tonight, which is nice, and, and hopefully they can come back um, and and tear the cover off the ball against an o Oakland Athletics team starting tomorrow uh, that has really thrown in the towel, uh, pretty much decimated by injuries and trades all season long. The pitching staff there is not very good. Hopefully they can get back to, to, to hitting again. Uh, because they're going to need to. I, I believe I said this on Friday, and I apologize for re repeating myself if I did. The Red Sox need to keep playing well because the Yankees, folks, they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere, and all you got to do is look at the schedule for proof of that. The Yankees play something along the lines of 17, 14 out of their next 17 games at home in Yankee Stadium. They... The, the, the percentage of games that they have to close the season in Yankee Stadium is astoundingly high. Astoundingly high. And you know they play well there. They're hitting now. they got their pitching staff together. The Yankees are not going anywhere. Not anytime soon. Their bullpen is strong. They did not have a great week last week. But again, you know, we're only we're, we're sitting here in the same spot on Monday that we were on Friday. Three and a half games up. The Red Sox are going to need to string some wins together. You know, going going 500 over the rest of the season, that's going to be a lot of wins. I don't think it's going to be enough to win the division. I think the Yankees are going to be better than three or four games over 500. The, the Red Sox are going to need to get some wins. Now, the fortunate thing is they have opportunities to do so. 
they got two out of three this weekend against Tampa. They face Oakland this week. That's another big opportunity to get a bunch of wins. They go back to Tampa Bay next weekend uh, in what could be a fairly emotional series for the Rays. They, they, again, they've played the Rays well all season long. Uh, they could do certainly could win again down there. Uh, but, it, you know, given what has gone on in Florida uh, and the storm that is either in Tampa or just past it about to hit, you know, it's right around Tampa right now, the hurricane, as we, we take this at about 8, 8.30 in the morning on September 11th. But it could be a pretty emotional series down there for the Rays uh, and a pretty emotional week of baseball uh, in Florida in general. So there's opportunities for the Red Sox. They're going to have to face some adversity. Uh, and, again, the Yankees are playing well. They've got everything together. They've got a ton of games at home against teams they can beat. So the Yankees look really good for a playoff spot one way or the other. You want to win the wild. You don't want to win the wild card if you're the Red Sox. You want the division. You've been the best team in the league. Now it's time to bring it on home. Uh, with less than 20 games left, we'll see what happens. But it starts this week against Oakland. Uh, you got a series win this weekend, three and a half games, magic number 17. Uh, off day tonight, and then the series starts on uh, on Tuesday uh, against Oakland. Uh, Rodriguez gets the ball in game one. Uh, I believe Fister gets it in, in the second game on Wednesday. Uh, and that would put Drew Pomeranz in line uh, with an extra day of rest to make the start against Oakland on Thursday. Uh, and then you'd have Chris Sale to open the series against Tampa Bay on uh, in Tampa Bay on Friday. So we'll go game by game this week. Uh, again, the Red Sox are the only team in, in serious action all week uh, in the Boston area uh, until Sunday when the Patriots get going uh, again. But, you know, big week ahead of us. That's the weekend series against Tampa. Uh, back in the same position, so we'll see how we go. In the NFL this weekend, I know the Patriots were not in action. They obviously played Thursday, uh, but just to go over some of the things, the, the notable things that happened this weekend, it's tough to say, well, week one had a serious impact on what the Patriots are doing, uh, but just some notable stuff that went on. Uh, in the division, the only other game, the Dolphins were postponed. Uh, they were supposed to play the Buccaneers in Miami. That got postponed by the Hurricane. So the only other divisional uh, game were the, were the Bills and the Jets. The Bills win this one fairly easily, 21 to 12, in a game that wasn't really all that close. Uh, no real surprises there. Uh, Buffalo holds serve at home against a team they ought to beat. Uh, so the Bills are 1 0. The Jets are 0 1. The Patriots are 0 1. The Dolphins have not played. Um, not much more to talk about from that area. It was a boring game, and no need to discuss it. But I think week week one in the NFL is always a it's always a mystery. It, it, it all a bunch of quirky and weird things happen that you know you, you think teams look good in the preseason, you think teams look bad in the preseason. You, you know the teams are supposed to be good coming out of uh, out of last season that they look you know have rosters that look really good. Uh, teams surprise in re, in week one. You, you never really know what to expect, and, and you don't really know what kind of teams you have until you know week four, week five of the regular season, and then you know teams start to show their true colors. Uh, what happened on Thursday in Foxborough is quite frankly no exception to that. Although I think the Chiefs are a pretty good team and deserve credit for the win. Uh, to me, the biggest surprise this weekend was the Houston Texans, and I didn't think the Houston Texans were a great team. Don't get me wrong on that, but given what has happened down there the hurricane and, and the pictures that are coming out of Houston, 
uh, and all the money that, that J.J. Watt has raised, among others, just a tremendous job raising so much money for hurricane relief. Uh, I thought Houston was going to win that game uh, what, in an, an incredibly emotional setting uh, with, with the first game in, 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 in NRG Stadium since the hurricane hit. I, I thought Houston would win that game without much, an, much of an issue. Even with the depleted roster and, and the quarterback situation that they have, they played a Jacksonville team that wasn't supposed to be very good, uh, and they don't just lose the game. I mean, they get pounded. They get absolutely pounded at home uh, to a Jacksonville team that ran the ball very well. But you know, Blake Bortles' stats are, are pretty mortal. Uh, they're less than that. I think he threw for like 110 yards, only completed 11 out of 20 throws. I mean, they're, they're, it wasn't like Blake Bortles lit the world on fire, uh, but they ran roughshod against the Texans' defense that's supposed to be pretty good, uh, and, you know, the Texans' offense couldn't move the ball in the first half, uh, they switched quarterbacks at halftime of the first first game, uh, it, it's difficult, it was, dif it was difficult to understand that one, for me personally, and not just because I took him in a survivor pool, and I'm already, you know, I, I must be the world's worst survival pool, survivor pool player, um, I'm already knocked out of my pool in week one. I, I, but I, I, I honestly thought Houston was going to win that game uh, going away. I didn't think it would be particularly close just because of the, uh, uh, of the scenario and the emotion that was going to be down there. You saw that with New Orleans a few years back when Hurricane Katrina hit and, and, and caused all the devastation in New Orleans. I mean, the first game back in the Superdome after that, the Saints, who, who weren't a very good team at that point, came out and just and, – and, I beat, I think it was Atlanta, and Atlanta was a far superior team to New Orleans at that point. But the, the emotion and the, uh, the 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 players and the fans, they just they carried that team to the win last night, and I thought it would be the same way in Houston, and it just was not. You know, biggest wins of the day, I, I think the single biggest win of week one, at least so far, we got the Monday night games tonight, but I think the single biggest win is the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Patriots on the road. Uh, and we, we covered that game, obviously, in detail. No need to rehash it. But the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting in Philadelphia right now, Eagles get a very big win, a very big win in Washington against a team that has owned them for the past three or four years. I think Washington had won something like five or six games in a row against the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles go into Washington, get a big win. Their defense plays very, very well. Uh, if the Eagles' defense is good, that team could be dangerous. They could be very dangerous in a division that seems wide open. Uh, the, the Cowboys win at home last night against the Giants. The Giants look incredibly pedestrian, and the Cowboys didn't exactly like the world on fire on offense either. So uh, big wins, I think, Chiefs and Eagles. Uh, those are the big storylines in week one. So before we break for the day, and again, I said this would be an abbreviated show. Uh, we'll, we'll do a lot more Patriot stuff this week. Um, we're gonna have to. We'll have to update some injury situations as we get more information before they play the Saints on Sunday. Um, but because the Patriots weren't playing yesterday, uh, and the Red Sox were the only team in in uh, in action, it's an abbreviated week. Let's take a very quick look at the only team we haven't really talked about, and that's the Boston Bruins. Uh, the Bruins uh, had a season last year that was a strange one, an up and down year. Uh, included a midseason firing of a coach that I liked a lot in Claude Julian. Uh, I thought at the time it was a rash move, but it's hard to say it was the wrong one uh, because Bruce Cassidy comes in and the team goes, I think, 18 and 8 
uh, with, I think, an overtime loss or two. Uh, they played very well for Bruce Cassidy, uh, who gets the job, at least in, on a permanent basis, at the beginning of the year. Uh, this year, they got into the playoffs. They, they needed a little bit of a push at the end to do it, but they get into the playoffs. Uh, played a pretty close series against the Ottawa Senators, uh, who went on to, to, to go all the way to the conference finals, and, and they lost that to Pittsburgh, who eventually won the Stanley Cup. Uh, they had a close series. They lost that series in six games. Uh, five of those games went to overtime or were decided by a goal. Uh, so it was a very close series. Nobody really played Ottawa tougher than the Bruins did. That being said, you never really got the sense last year, really at any point in the year, that the Bruins were a serious contender uh, to win the Stanley Cup or to challenge Pittsburgh or Washington in the Eastern Conference. And I'm not so sure that it's any different this year, but if you look at this roster or who's going to be on the roster, you've got a lot of hope for the future of this team. You've got some young guys uh, and some veterans who aren't that old, quite frankly, who could carry this team and, and, and be a pretty solid nucleus for the future. Charlie McAvoy is the guy I'm watching number one to see how he responds over a full season. Uh, McAvoy came in very late last year, gets added to the postseason roster, uh, quite frankly, was the Bruins' best defenseman in six games against Ottawa last season uh, in the playoffs. So he gets a full year on the roster. You would think they're going to put him right at the top with Chara, with Dan Chara as the uh, as the top defensive pair. That's what they did in the playoffs. Uh, and so he'll be fun to watch over the course of a full season. I got my eye on him, especially as they, they start training camp. They're, missed, they're in the midst of camp right now and, and, and prospect, uh, prospect leagues. Uh, if McAvoy works out, all of a sudden, your defense, which was a huge liability going into last year, all of a sudden, your defense looks pretty talented and pretty deep. You, you got Chara and McAvoy at the top. You've got Brandon Carlo still in the mix, a young guy. Got a lot of minutes last year. Uh, you've got Tory Krug and Adam McQuaid to come back. I mean, Tory Krug has proved his worth as a, as a Bruins defenseman over several years. Certainly your best offensive defenseman our offensive-minded defenseman on the team. Uh, you've got McQuaid to come in, uh, a rugged guy, a veteran. Uh, all of a sudden, you've got a defense that looks pretty solid, and you didn't, you couldn't say that at the beginning of last year. Uh, with Carlo and McAvoy and some more guys coming, uh, and they could be good, they could be good for a little while. Uh, the question this year, quite frankly, is where the goal is going to come from. You know, you're going to have good offensive production at the top. Uh, with Marchand and Bergeron. Uh, Pasternak needs a contract. He's a restricted free agent. You would think that they'll get him signed and, and get him going uh, at some point before the season begins. Uh, but that, assuming Pasternak comes back, your top line is pretty darn good. The question is what's going on, what's going to happen behind him, as always. David Backus uh, is a guy who you liked. Uh, at the beginning of the year as a depth signing. Had a down year by his standards, didn't score a ton. You lost in free agency the other guy uh, who, who could be counted on for offensive production down the stretch in Drew Stafford. That was a really good trade that the Bruins made in the middle of the season. He was very productive for them. But he goes in free agency. Uh, you lose two guys who were not productive at all, quite frankly, and Jimmy Hayes and Matt Bolesky who you signed a couple of years ago. And again, here, here's the chance for some young guys to step up. Uh, there, there's a lot of depth, at least in theory, uh, in the front line and coming up through the system in Providence. 
they're going to get chances this year, and it's time for them to convert them. You know, it's it's a t it's time for a guy like Nola Shari. I mean, I know he hasn't been here very long, but it's time for a guy like him. It's time for a guy like Ryan Spooner. It's time to make the leap. He's going to have plenty of chances. It's time to make the leap if you're Ryan Spooner. Uh, you're going to have a guy a guy like Jacob Forsbacker Carlson, who's a rookie this season. You never expect much from a rookie. Uh, but he's immensely talented, in fact, more so than pretty much any forward on the Bruins roster. He gets a big chance this season. What do you got out of him? I mean, he could be a second or third line center by the end of the season uh, if he comes in and, and, and produces and, and has a good start to the year right away. So it's, it's early to start thinking about the Bruins. I mean, on paper, you know, you don't think they match up or they stack up very well against the elites uh, of the East. I mean, Pittsburgh is still Pittsburgh. The two-time defending champs with virtually the same exact roster back. The Capitals are still the Capitals with all the firepower that they have. Uh, they never play well against Montreal, and Montreal's back with, with even more firepower. And oh, by the way, their old coach uh, with, with Claude Julien. But uh, it's, it, it's time to start thinking about it. Hockey season's going to be here before you know it. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, their preseason schedule officially opens next Monday uh, against the Canadiens, and, and you'll start seeing some some things then. Uh, but it's time to start thinking about hockey again. The weather's starting to turn. Uh, hockey's going to be here before you know it. You're going to have a Bruins team that's going to be young. They're going to be hungry. Uh, they're going to be competitive. How good they're going to be remains to be seen. Uh, but we'll start thinking about the Bruins, and we'll start talking about them more. Uh, certainly as the preseason picks up, uh, I bring them up now just because it's time to start thinking about them. There's not a lot of other stuff going on. We're still too far away from, from the Celtics to start talking about them uh, more than we already have. Uh, and the Patriots obviously don't play again until Sunday. So start thinking about the Bruins. Hockey season is going to be here soon. So that does it for today's edition of the uh, Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. We will continue with our coverage throughout the week. Uh, the Patriots will play on Sunday. The Red Sox have the big series starting tomorrow against Oakland. Uh, we will pick up with any big Celtics, Bruins, or other sports news that affects the Boston area. Uh, but for now, that is our podcast. It is when it is Monday, September 11th. Remember seventh, se or not? Excuse me. Remember September 11th. Uh, remember all the folks devastated by hurricanes and Mother Nature in Texas and Florida and in the Caribbean. Uh, do what you can to help them out. But until next time tomorrow morning, this is Mike Lyons signing off, and we will see you tomorrow morning. Goodbye, everybody.